The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Friday Rotowire podcast. I'm Todd Zola, once again, uh, giving up my sidekick chair while... Clay Link is away, and filling in is the, I guess he's the Ben Zobrist of the site, right? You, you do a little bit of everything you do, and everything you do, you do well. So uh, we're, at, we're happy to have Jason Collette on with me to uh, help me rank the two-star pitchers, talk a little bit about, well, there really aren't any deals to go down, have them, have there been? Not of substance. <laughs> <laughs> right now, it's been playing on the margin, so let's see what happens yeah, here between yeah. now and August 2nd, since there's no more waiver trades. Uh, deals. It's you know, it's if somebody's going to do something, they got to do it here in the next three days. Well, because Jeff Erickson and I just recorded Saturday's MLB Network radio show, you can be sure there's going to be stuff going down tonight. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it always sets up like that. And so yeah. Well, uh, last week we didn't. Last week we lost out on Vogelback. We didn't. You know, we uh, we were looked dumb because we didn't we didn't talk about Daniel Vogelback going. Uh, Tyler Naquin is this week's Daniel no, no uh, Daniel Daniel Vogelback both going to the Mets. Yeah. Anything really coming out of that? Yeah, anything for Cincinnati that we can look for? I couldn't find a whole lot to really talk about. No, I mean he was in the final year of a deal. They got a couple of minor league pieces. It's what you expect uh, for them. It's you know it's he was getting a regular playing time for the most part with Cincinnati, and so the ballpark switch is going to be a bit of a ding. Uh, for him and you're better at the park effects than I am uh, but I don't think it's going to be a good move for him going from uh, Great American Ballpark over to uh, City Field uh, so I'm sure there's an adjustment there and I'm not sure he's going to see the same volume of strong side platoon playing time uh, that he was seeing with Cincinnati either uh, depending you know once the once everything is settled on the Mets roster because uh, I, I doubt this is their only move uh, mm-hmm. you know they definitely want to make the set the roster up for a push deep into October. And the best way to do that is to have a lot of depth uh, on your bench and to have a lot of options. Right. So, I mean, as far as Cincinnati, maybe, maybe Jake Fraley gets healthy and plays a little bit more. Uh, Aquino, I mean, some, some, some platoon players become a little more relevant with the Reds. I don't think there's anything huge there. Now we talk about Naquin and not playing as much. Mark Kenya is not exactly crushing it for the Mets. Right. And he's a right-handed batter. So we could see a platoon in left field. Absolutely, we could. Uh, and I think one uh, one name to keep in mind with the Reds, uh, depending, I was going to see how they were updating their uh, uh, their roster, but TJ Friedel in the outfield as well. I mean, Friedel's got some speed. Yeah. And you know, that now that he's got a little more path to playing time, and so perhaps he has an option that that, that that's an option there if you're in uh, if you're in a league hurting for speed, uh, like I am. Uh, so TJ Friedel's on one of my draft champions rosters, and he's going to my lineup because uh, I need those deals. No, it makes sense, and definitely an NL only if he happens to be available isn't a bad. He's got to be better than someone, you know, on, on the the back end of an NL only roster right now. Uh, but yeah, there's just not a whole lot going on. Uh, as we speak, Juan Soto is still with the Nationals, and Shohei Otani is still with the Angels, and Xander Bogarts is still with the Red Sox. And who's to say? Now, I, I sent out a, a tweet, you know, more just you know for entertainment purposes only, that dealing acquiring Shohei Otani, matching up performance and age over the past couple of years is like getting Matt Olson and Aaron Nola. 
That works for me. <laughs> uh, it's I mean, he's a free agent after the season. Yeah. Uh, as I was tell, telling a friend earlier today at lunchtime, I, you know, I, I can't imagine him wanting to stick around no matter what the Angels are paying him. Well, you have the news about Mike Trout, uh, you know, who made his back is in an uncertain situation. Yeah. Who knows how that's going to play out? You know, when Anthony Rendon's going to get hurt again next year, you know, all these things like, why does he want to stick around? So if he's not going to stick around, you got to sell him. And right now would be an amazing time to sell him because you know people would pay uh, for it, even if it's even if it's just for the rest of the season and next season and letting him walk from their team uh, with that. So it, it would be a good a good time to to do that. And with Soto, I saw a tweet from Hector Gomez earlier. They're now to make it one more final push, one more push offer. If he declines it, they'll trade him this weekend, uh, which would be very interesting to see how that one plays out uh, as well. But we're talking about two unique unicorns. I mean, how do you go to arbitration with Juan Soto as a 23-year-old with the numbers that he's had? Uh, and then with, same thing with with uh, Otani. You know, yet only has one more year before free agency, and so even if you were to acquire him with no hopes of signing him long term. Then you're you're in the same boat the Angels are right now, but you're going to get a lot less in return if you try to trade them in the middle of the season next year. No, agreed. And the, with Soto, if he wants to go to free agency, does it you know does it matter what Washington's offer is? It's just probably to make it more palatable with their fans than anything else. But if you believe what if we believe what we're hearing that Soto wants to test the waters, or um, I believe I believe it was a uh, Jim Bowden was on. Uh, I saw a, a clip on Twitter interviewed by Jenny Dell, and he said uh, something to the effect of, and if it's not, if this wasn't Bowden, I apologize, but maybe you need to get creative. And you know what? What, what I saw with Jim was, was a different interview. It was a different, it was, a, it was with, um, I believe it was with Otani. But the, what I, on, on, the, on, the, on the radio, they were saying, unless the Nationals have some uh, out clauses and let Soto go to free agency if he wants over the course of the contract, you're probably not going to get it done. Yeah. I can see him going that. That's the route. The Red Sox are currently in with Bogarts and they said they're not going to trade him, but Bogarts has the ability to opt out after this winter. Uh, and most likely you have to figure he will. I mean, he's got three more years at 60 million. If you put Bogarts on the free agent market right now, he's going to make more than that. So I'm kind of surprised the Red Sox aren't doing that, but you could see the nationals get creative to some point and say, you, you have the option. Uh, I, I believe Wander Franco has got some uh, things in his deal like that too, where he's able to opt out after a certain time uh, if he wants to, uh, to let that situation play out. As far as Otani and the Dodgers, I don't ever see that happening only because Artie Moreno wouldn't even let Luis Renjifo get traded to the Dodgers. Uh, so I, I can't imagine, Imagine that he's going to do something like, oh, Otani, yeah, the Dodgers give us a bunch, we'll take it. And they don't like being the you know quote unquote little sister in the market, so why would you give them uh, Otani even for whatever they're trying to do? So uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend uh, to see what we come out on the other side of this. I mean, it's not fantasy related. I'm just curious because we've been talking about it a little bit on Twitter. Jeff and I talked about it on the radio. Are you if you? Major league team, should they be reluctant to trade within the division? I don't I don't think they should be. I know it's maybe it gets back to the fans or whatever, but if you can improve your team and if you can see the way to improve your team is by, you know, taking it, finding something mutually agreeable, then fine. Uh, if it's like more of pilfering, whatever. Like I would use the example like Joey Gallo. You know the Yankees want to get rid of him. Uh, you know, would you know, would they send him to Toronto? Maybe not. Would they send him to Baltimore? Sure. Would they send him to Tampa Bay? Maybe not. But if, you know, all those teams, if you could find something to make it agreeable, sure. I mean, the Cubs and Cardinals may make trades. You know, the, the Rays and Red Sox have made a trade. That's where Hunter Renfro went. And then Hunter Renfro made it a personal revenge tour and just wore out the Rays. Uh, so sometimes the player takes that personally. But uh, yeah, I don't think you should limit your trading options just because, oh, hey, that team's in my division. I don't want to better them. But if you can better yourself and then they can better themselves and everybody walks away happy, then do it. No, I agree. I think I, it's narrative, but I see it spouted by people I respect and, and, and you know, scouts and, and men, you know, people within the industry that I just I don't get it. Why not trade Soto to the Mets? I'm not saying they're going to, but why wouldn't you? You're not going to compete with the Mets next year. Why not take away some of the Mets' future 
if that's the best way to make yourself better, I don't, I don't understand it. Fantasy wise, uh, it's one of those things where you know if, if you're in fourth and you the first place team offers you a deal, you, you want to feel as if you're hurting the first place team, right? I mean, right. it's possible that we differ in opinions on how a player is going to finish up, and I feel I trade you this player and I've cost you a couple points. You may feel you're getting a couple points. I'm not not trading with the first place player from trying to catch him if I feel I'm hurting them. Um, it's to me, it's more about the, and this is Jeff's point as well. It's more to the owners of the first place team to make for darn sure they're not helping the team catch them. Yep. That's definitely part of it. You got to look at it and see where it is. So if, if you're in first place in a league, you make a deal, you know, you have the opportunity, you may lose a couple of points, but if the other team is gaining more and they're gaining points on people that are chasing you. So like, if you make a team, even, even in you make a lot of times this time of year, the first place teams look at the dump uh, and try to pick up something from the bottom half of the league. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. If you can look across a couple of categories and find a team that could be a, a mover and maybe gain a couple of points. And at the same time, better themselves, but then knock off a couple of people that are closer to you. It's it's sometimes you have to lose to win and make a deal like that. So you're like, okay, here, take it. You know, you could have my saves. I'm not going to be able to move up in saves, but you, you could jump four spots and two of those four spots are the teams that are closer to me in the final standings. So you take my saves and I'll take every point I can get this time of year. No, absolutely. I mean, there's some people that just won't trade with the first place team because they don't want to be the difference in the in the standings. I think that's kind of silly. By not trading with them, you are affecting the standings. Right. So, I, 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 any trade that gives you that improves your own stead is is worth doing. All right, let's switch gears for the normal focus of the Friday podcast, the two start edition. This this is always subject to change, right, Jason? I mean, these are always subject to change. You know that, but man, this weekend. They're really subject to change with all the trades and are going on. I will I will have my rankings up preliminary up on Saturday, and when I will adjust them on Sunday night based upon what's going on. But with the deadline on Tuesday, wow, it's going to be tough to try to figure out rotations next week. If we talk about you know a, a two start week and the guys on the block, you know for the end of next week, when you go to start your when you go to make your moves, you're entering your lineups, you got to keep in mind that I'm, I'm taking a real quick glance to see if I can find somebody uh, when we go through it, maybe we will, but you know, there's a chance that guy doesn't get that second start or someone else does pick up their second start because of it. So we keep all these things in mind. Right. So that is a backdrop and you know how we do this zero to five. You've helped us out before. You, you may have listened once or twice. Um, Tyler Gilbert, Arizona. Starts at and I, I we kind of kind of joked about it. This is August first. We are now, we are now ranking for August. That's kind of cool. It's crazy. The season has flooded. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. It does not feel like it's been that long of a season already. But here we are. I mean, I know most teams are playing their hundredth game. Um, yeah. Over the weekend. Today, yesterday, tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Crazy that we're already that far. Yeah. You know, knock on wood. All right, Tyler Gilbert at Cleveland. And home against Colorado, zero to five. Where is he landing? Uh, I'm going to put him at a three. You know, looking at the last 30 days, Cleveland's been one of the better hitting teams uh, by over offense. You know, you'll hear me quote a lot of you know weighted runs created plus. Over the last 30 days, Cleveland's been sixth. Colorado's been 19th. Uh, so split that down the middle. That's about 13, 14. So give me an average score of three. Uh, on that because Arizona's actually Arizona's been giving run support. They're fifth in in weighted runs created plus over the last 30 days. So they've been giving run support, uh, which is which is helpful. So uh, a three on Gilbert. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit lower. I'm gonna go two. He isn't going deep into games and he's not striking batters out. Um I guess if we're looking for ERA protection, I don't mind Gilbert, but if you're looking for strikeouts you you probably you probably can find somebody else, and he's not going to get up against Cleveland. That's the best contact hitting team. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and right, putting that ball in play, you know, at their yard. So, but he's not, he's not just kind of the categorical zero like he has, like you may think, like he's been previously. Yeah. Yep. So, all right, this is an interesting uh, Spencer Strider, 
home against Philly and on the road against the Mets. Um, Braves have a doubleheader next week. We're not exactly sure who will fill in on the doubleheader. Uh, Muller is still injured. I don't think he'll be ready at that point. Kyle Muller, I just was talking to Jeff on the radio, and I didn't realize Muller got hurt yesterday or a couple days ago because I've been I've been tra- uh, tracking Kyle Muller because yeah. he's been pitching a lot better than Ian Anderson has, at least well. Who hasn't? Min- minors to pros. I've been uh, pitching better than Ian yeah. Anderson this week. But it, you could easily see Atlanta acquiring a starter oh, yeah. and pushing Strider off that to start. Um, so we'll just keep that in mind. But right now, two starts, home against Philly on the road against the Mets. See, yes, and that's my issue. The, the the one is that Atlanta is primed to acquire at least another arm uh, for that. And two, it relates to Strider because they have, at some point have to pull him back in his workload. Remember, he was a reliever, and now he's been working as a starter. At some point, he would be an amazing weapon in the postseason uh, in short stints. So they've got to start scaling him back. Why not? To, if they're, if they're going to make a trade, why not make it now? So acquire two arms move him back, but I can see him starting to get fewer innings uh, and his innings becoming shorter. So with, especially with that Mets matchup this week and who knows which Philly team shows up, this is where I'm like two and a half uh, kind of leaning yeah. towards the two. Cause you got to, if, if you've been running and riding out Strider, you, you need to start making alternative plans because the next two months are not going to play out like the previous three. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think when I'm actually making my decision, it's more about, you know, if he only goes one, do I have anybody better? And then it's deciding, oh, what do I take to take a chance he gets that second one? Um, you know, because with that double header in there as well, um, maybe you do need to use Strider next week re- regardless. Actually, you know, Tuesday and Saturday is not enough rest. Uh, Baltimore, again, these used to be teams, well, maybe this pitcher we're not going to worry about. But we find ourselves ranking Baltimore pitching a lot more better than we have. We got Spencer, we got uh, Watkins. Home, or sorry, on the road against Texas and home against Pittsburgh. Nice matchups. Uh, yeah, Texas has been doing a little better offensively. Uh, yeah. Watkins is coming off his first bad start. Uh, Tampa Bay really let him have it. The one thing I would I would credit him is he stranded a bunch of runners. I believe he had 11 or 12 base runners in five innings. Only three of them scored. Uh, and so he did a really good job of, of – navigating traffic because there was a lot of it on the bases in the five innings, but all of the starts previously had been rather good. Uh, and their bullpen is pitching extremely well with, with Perez, with Bautista, with Lopez, with Aiken, with uh, Kreibel. Their bullpen's doing really well, and it was so bad last year, and it's the exact opposite this year. Uh, so it's not like you have to worry, oh, he gets five, and then the bullpen throws it away because they're not doing that. They're staying in games uh, we don't know what the Baltimore turnover is going to be like here over the weekend. Uh, will they or won't they trade Mancini? All of these things. But with all that said, uh, I'm going to put a four uh, on Watkins this weekend with those matchups. Yeah, to me, he's like a he's a two he's a three pitcher with four matchups. So, well, they're five matchups. Well, if that's the case, I'm, I'm still going to go three. Uh, I'm still going to go three. Um, he's actually pitched well on the road. It's not all the ballpark. And how much of that is confidence, et cetera? Uh, hard to say. I don't. I don't have a. Uh, and his cutter too. I mean, he's the well, cutter looks really nice too. There, there is that. Uh, but all the, you know, the ballpark you know breeds confidence to throw the cutter and all sorts of stuff. I, I just don't have a, a line on my spreadsheet for that. But he's definitely worth considering now. All right, as a Red Sox fan, I need to see you, Nate. Nate, Nate Eovaldi at Houston. Oh, another home run. And at another home run, at Ivaldi's pitched so well in between giving up home runs. Yeah, yeah, the strikeouts have been there, the home runs have been there. The problem with Ivaldi, if you look at the uh, the velocity readings over the last couple yeah. of weeks, they are yeah. down, uh, yeah. and that's why, like to me, he's a he's a two at best because I need to see a velocity jump to get back on board the Ivaldi train. But his last few outings have not been good. And because of that, he's been more hittable when he's been pitching in the low to mid nineties than his typical 95, 98. It's been, yeah, the home runs have come at the most inopportune times. The defense is not helping him out at all, but yeah, I'm with you as a two, especially that Houston matchup that, that, that scares me. Uh, another guy who's pitched a lot better than maybe if you, uh, you know, expect is Keegan Thompson at St. Louis and home against Miami. Uh, 
those are those are good matchups for him. I mean, St. Louis has been slightly better than average. Miami's been one of the worst hitting teams over yeah. the last 30 days. Um, I'll be fur- further back than that. So um, give me a three with Thompson. I just want to see what's going to be left, what Chicago's going to do at the deadline. Um, moving Contreras seems all but given. Uh, and what's that, what's that offense is going to look like? What, what will his run support look like uh, coming out of that? But I do like the matchup. So I'll, I'll take the safe road and go three in the middle. All right, artificial endpoints or selective endpoints, 252 ERA, 1.14 whip with 43 Ks in his last 39 and a third innings. This guy's – is it, there's a Boston in there. There's a Dodgers in there. There's a Mets in there. All right, there's two Pittsburghs. But even so, he's been getting the job done. Yeah. Um, and it, you know what? There were some people picking him up in fab leagues – that you know, I you know, I respect you know, this is why I look to see who so and so's getting, and that's what began to turn me on. You know, maybe, maybe he's maybe I'm missing something, and I clearly was. So, again, Thompson's one of those guys that you may kind of categorically add, ah, just ignore, but with those matchups, I think he's a four. I, I, I'm with you, I, I think he's a four. St. Louis may or may not have Juan Soto at the time, but even so, <laughs> all right, Reds, uh, again, this is depending upon what is done with Louis Castillo. He's penciled in to work next week. Actually, next Tuesday, the day of the trade deadline. I have a hard time believing he makes that start, even if he's not traded, right? Yeah, not a and chance. He, yeah, I mean, <laughs> even, if he's, even if he's not traded, he's not. You, you're not putting him on the, on the field that day. Um, you know what? If you're not traded, it's a 640 game. The yeah, well, the tra- I think it was a trade deadline, 3 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so watch for, or I think it actually is six o'clock. Six o'clock. Uh, watch six for the taxi squad news in Cincinnati yeah, and see yeah. what they do in the taxi squad. And if you see a, a couple of arms come up, uh, that would be rather telling. But you know, if, if I'm an, if I'm a team interested in Castillo services, I don't want him getting off his regular rhythm. So I want to require him like Sunday, so he's got Monday to travel and Tuesday to pitch for me. I don't want him getting too far off cycle. Uh, these guys yeah. are creatures of habit. He's been on a roll for the most part uh, here for the past few months. And the last thing you want to do is disrupt that. So to me, uh, if he doesn't get traded Sunday, perhaps since he isn't going to trade him until this winter, which would be a massive mistake. Massive. These I are agree. when you make the trade. And the same thing applies for Tyler Molly. You make these deals the midseason before the winter of their final year because your options – get limited. And we, we talked a little bit about this on Potapalooza uh, over the weekend with Justin, but right now the only way a team has to improve the rotation is via trade. They just can't go out and sign somebody over the winter. It's like, do I give up something or do I just throw money at it? And we know these teams have money, whether they want to say it or not, they have money. They can throw at things. Uh, and that's, that's where you're, you don't want to have the competition of free agency or trade partners now you're limited and there's only so many teams and you just kind of drive the price up and see who's willing to pay. Not to mention Castillo has had some ups and downs, but this year it's been all up. You may never be trading him at, at this. At, he may never be higher, if you will, than he is right now as far as performance goes. Trade him to a dome, never pitch him up north in, in April. You'll be golden. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, my joke's been – He's a second half pitcher. Imagine how well he's going to pitch after, you know, improving over what he's done. Um, if Hunter Green happens to get to, if, if, if it just works out that way at Miami and he'll be at Milwaukee um, right now, we're not scheduled for two, but if he gets to, uh, I mean, the strikeouts are there, but he's in, can he get two or three in that range still? Yeah, I still throw I me mean, the Miami matchups golden. They're like, but they've been terrible. Uh, Milwaukee has been better than average, but Milwaukee, uh, they've been up down. They've had some big games. And they've been shut out too. They have not. They've had some consistency issues. I remember a game a few days ago against the Twins, uh, and a cast of who uh, really shut them down uh, while they gave up ten runs to Milwaukee, uh, ten runs to the Twins rather. So um, I Green, I'd be really excited with Castillo if he was still there, but I just don't see how he is with Green. Uh, I'd still say it's a three only because uh, you know the red situation. By the time this whole trade deadline's done, again, who knows what the supporting cast, anything not nailed down and not under the age of 27 in Cincinnati could be traded. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Cleveland, actually, Zach Plesak's being rumored to be on the block, which is a little bit odd because you'd think they need a 
another Zach Plesak type to to make the run. But right now we got Cal Quantrill and Tristan McKenzie home against the Diamondbacks and home against Houston. Um, where 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 are they gonna? Where would you put that? Uh, Plesak. That's that's a two. Well, it's, it's it's Quantrill and McKenzie. Okay, I'm sorry. Quantrill, that's still a two. Uh, uh, McKenzie, I'll do three because I like McKenzie. He can still get the strikeouts. We've seen what he can do against potent lineups uh, and and neutralize him when he's got everything working. He's been he's taken a nice step forward overall this year, uh, working all of his pitches. Not and he's and he's not working from behind so much. He got murdered last year pitching off his fastball way too often falling behind in counts, couldn't throw the curveball for strikes, and then would just come in up in the zone, and that's why he was giving up home runs left and right. You watch him pitch this year, and he's got better command within the zone so he can get the strikes, make the curveball look like a strike long enough to induce a swing. That certainly helps, uh, and so he's not working from behind as often as he was. So I've been very impressed with his maturation this year. So he's a three for me, even with the tough matchups this week. Yeah, you kind of you you mentioned you hit on it without you know saying a different way. What I've noticed with McKenzie is he's changing eye levels really well, and he didn't do that last year. He was working in the same quadrants. Yeah, Cleveland's a pitching factory. They do a really good job of it every year. As I can see, Sean in the comments is saying they have two arms every year. They they produce somebody out of that system. Uh, you know, McKenzie, if you go back and look at my bold predictions, this was something I talked about. Like, I expected him to have a huge year this year because even amongst all the noise with the home run rate, you could still see the good. Uh, and if they could do something with the good, there was more to come. And that's exactly what he's done this year. No, for sure. And now if they can just, you know, the, the frame is the frame. You know, we'll see what happens there. Roy Oswalt, Pedro, we can make some examples of, uh, of slider of slider pitchers that have been successful. We'll see. Colorado's on the road all week. Doubleheader on Monday. Antonio Sensatella at San Diego. Jose Urania at San Diego. Uh, and then the two of them are then at Arizona. A couple of good parks, but a couple of well, – Arizona's offense isn't too dangerous, but like you said, they're doing maybe a little better than we think. Yeah, and, and Arania, I know he got beat up by the Dodgers the other night, uh, but honestly, he had been pitching well leading up into that, surprisingly. That, that's really the crazy thing. He wasn't getting the strikeouts. The problem was, like, ratio-wise, he the, even now his whip wasn't uh, whip was in bad shape, but as ERA, he was straining all these runners, so you kind of knew this was going to catch up, and the Dodgers, you know, you could say, oh, it was the Dodgers, but if you look back at all the underlying stuff under Arania, doom was coming and if you've enjoyed the era and, and nothing else that's gone away so for me uranus is getting into that one territory even with you know the, these matchups aren't the best they're not terrible but they're not uh, the best especially for him uh with sensatella I'll, i'd go with two so one for uranian two for sensatella i'm just i'm a one on both um i mean it's we're we're dealing on the margins so just yeah to, I'll, to, so we can move on i'll, I'll give them both a one uh, the White Sox home against Kansas City, like that, on the road against Texas, starting with Michael Kopech, and then drum roll, Lucas Giolito gets the second, gets those two starts. Uh, the subject, one of the subjects of this week's tout, tout table question uh, who do we think is going to bounce back out of Jose Barrios, uh, Lucas Giolito, and Trevor Rogers? If, if Giolito is going to do it, this is the week. Right, home against Kansas City on the road against Texas. Yeah, as the uh, Giolito owner in AL Tout Wars, I certainly hope so. Uh, man, has that been a painful thing to, to carry this year? Uh, and with, with Kansas City, Sal Perez is back today, uh, so he's back in the lineup. They did lose Benintendi to set the table, uh, and maybe they're losing Whit Merrifield uh, by the end of this weekend, perhaps, but maybe not. But so they have more thump back in the lineup. Uh, because Ben Intendi was just table setting. He admittedly just said, I'm going to get on base. I don't care about hitting for power uh, this year. And he certainly wasn't. Uh, so the lineup gets a little more bite to it, uh, but not much. Uh, and for Kopech, which guy's going to show up? I mean, Kopech, we hit, there's been some games where he's been downright dominant. And there have been some other games where it's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Uh but that said, with these matchups, I want to go four for Kopech, and I want to go three for Giolito. But like you said, I benched Giolito this week. I didn't even use him. Um, and was, that, was that Colorado, wasn't he? I think so. That may, uh, Definitely. But it's, <laughs> uh, 
And this weekend, I want to put him right back in because, you know, the old rule, if you can't start a guy in a two-start week, why do you have him? Uh, but I, I spent too much money on Giolito heading into the season to be like, I'm done and just bitterly cut bait on him right now. I can't prove it, but I think I may have been the first person to said that about the two-start week. Anyway, uh, a lot of things I can't prove that I probably said first. Not all of them smart. Uh, <laughs> Kopech, yeah, man, that control. Is it lately that he's been five strikeouts to four walks? I, it's been Pretty terrible. Much. Yeah, I, I'm going two, but I am going to – it's a leap of faith, but I'm going to go with a three for Giolito. That should be a five, right? I mean, we shouldn't have to talk about it. That should be a no. five for Giolito. Uh, you mentioned Perez coming back. And one of my notes, I said, well, with with, um, with Benintendi gone, at least Kansas City can now play Pasquantino and uh, Prado at the same time. But with Perez occupying DH and or Melendez, uh, I don't know that you can get all four of them in the lineup at the same time anymore. Uh, well, I guess you could take O'Hearn out. But, yeah, we're curious to see what Kansas City does. Maybe they put Lopez up at the top. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I didn't see how they adjusted their lineup over the last day or two yeah. with, with Benintendi out. But it's not like Merrifield's been hitting well enough to go back to that leadoff spot. At least Lopez, when I watched him in the series against the Rays, uh, was hitting well, was running every time he got on base. Uh, so, you know, perhaps he gets up there and he can get a, a return, you know, get running again and help in stolen bases down the, uh, down the stretch, much like he did last year. I don't know his contract status. But shouldn't Sal Perez be on the block? Well, I think he's got at least another. Um, yeah, didn't, didn't they just sign in with kind of a, a, a yeah. team friendly? Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking, you know, imagine him in Houston. Anyway, uh, Jeff and I just discussed uh, Wilson Contreras. Um, I have a premonition that Jeff and I will discuss Wilson Contreras on the radio tomorrow. <laughs> you think? Um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, imagine Sal Perez. Because to replace Maldonado, it has to be a star. Because you're not going to like – upgrade the bat, you know, you're going to go with the defense. So if you're replacing Maldonado to get more offense, it has to be kind of a stud. And just not that many of them out there. Um, I think anyway, I don't think you just get a mediocre. Speaking of catchers, I can, um, I, this week the, the Rays had yet another injury. Shocker. Francisco Mejia, who I, I love, you know, been doing a nice job, going to play a little more. Uh, so what, Renee Pinto and who else is now catching for the Rays? Christian Betancourt. Oh, that's right. That's right. They made the move. <coughs> well, I know they made trade, but yeah, they're going to have to use them behind the plate a little bit more. Yep. So, uh, man, they, you know, you know, Red Sox had all the injuries. Well, Tampa's had all the injuries too. And which of the two teams is still in the wild card hunt? Anyway. Um, yeah, it's been a mess. Uh, and Betancourt is going to get most of the playing time. Pinto is, I would, you know, I've, I would say kind of the better defender, but but Betancourt's a better thrower uh, to, in that regard. So either way, the lineup, and this is where it's been crazy, you know, watching the games just about every day, I either listen or watch, right? It always feels like they're never hitting. But then over the last month, they have the fourth best WRC+. And I, this is, I guess, proximity bias. I never in a million years would have made that guess. But there they are sitting behind the, the Dodgers, Yankees, and Jays. WRC plus for the last 30 days as an offense. And I, it certainly hasn't felt that way. Uh, watching the way that lineup has been with, with Taylor Walls in it, with Brett Phillips in it, uh, with a whole bunch of 200 sub hitters in that lineup. They just keep hitting. Uh, yeah, they, you know, they've, they've somehow been able to put up the numbers, and I don't understand it. The, the other day they had, what, 12 hits and lost a game because 10 of them were singles. <laughs> well, that's, what you, that's what you're going to get. So, yeah, uh, uh, Detroit – uh, you know what? Before we hit Detroit, let's uh, pause for our sponsors to uh, to do their deal. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. Let's let's talk about the Detroit Tigers. Tarek Skubal, left-handed starter, Matt Manning. We have him scheduled to come off of the IL. Both of them face Minnesota early in the week. And then there you are against Tampa uh, home, Detroit at home against the Tampa Rays to close the week out. Scooble has managed to cut down on the, on the home runs. He's given back a little bit in the strikeouts and the walks, yeah. but he has the homers under control. Manning, I mean, wasn't pitching all that well. And now all this after this long break, I can't, you know, I, I, I'm still interested in Matt Manning long term. But I can't, I can't start him even with a two-start week, uh, right away. I agree. I don't like starting guys on Tuesday coming off the IL right away because typically that first start's not going to be a one to qualify for a win anyhow. And most of the times it's like a seventy-five pitch kind of thing. Um, I'm not so sure Schoolville stays in Detroit through the weekend uh, or through the trade deadline. There's a chance there were some rumors a couple of days ago that they were listening on offers for him. Uh, so I'm not sure he even stays here. If he does. Uh, this also feels like a, a two type of situation. The overall matchups aren't that great. Uh, and you know, Sean, again, in the, in the comments makes a good point that I wrote about over the weekend is, you know, they've got some pieces in the bullpen. They should be trading. Chafin, uh, Michael Fulmer would be a prime guy to trade. So teams looking for more depth out of the bullpen should be calling Detroit and Detroit should try to re, you know, continue to rebuild out. Uh, with that. And so even if a guy does go five, what kind of bullpen is he going to be handing that ball off to, to finish the game? Uh, we know that they don't have enough offense uh, to carry them. They've been a, a, a below average offense the entire season uh, and have been the bottom five there. So uh, Detroit, it's, it's just been a tough season uh, to have them for most of fantasy. There's been very, very little fantasy relevancy there. Most of the fantasy disappointment. Absolutely. Now, just, just to, you know, to put it out there, Manning pitched on the 27th, which was Wednesday, five and two thirds, okay. five hits, no runs. So, you know, air quote, he could go five if he needed to, but I'm with you. I mean, Soto and Fulmer could be gone. Who's to say at this point? Uh, doesn't change my, my, I'm still going zero on Manning, but we could get five. Houston, uh, they could be going with a seven man soon enough with, with, you know, with McCullers coming back, but at least next week, we got Louis Garcia home against the Red Sox and on the road against the Guardians. Uh, again, uh, the point we made about Cleveland, uh, about being the best contact team in the league, they've been really tough uh, overall, but they've had surprising issues against left-handed pitching, of which Garcia obviously isn't. Uh, but that's still an issue to factor in with them. The Red Sox lineup has been all over the place. Uh, it's, it's been tough lately. Uh, I don't know when when Devers, if he's going to come back 
for that kind of start. That's the other piece of it too, because it's been a different lineup lately without consistently you know, JD Martinez, I think just hit for the first time last night. So he's been missing a bunch of stuff day to day. Devers has been out and that's a huge presence out of that lineup. So they've had to play guys uh, like Yomer Sanchez at the corner, Bobby Dahlbeck. I know he had two home runs the other day, but uh, you know, he's been getting more playing time than he really needs. Uh, and they've been trying to mix and match. So the Boston matchup's not as scary uh, as it should be. So for Garcia to me, that's a four. Yeah, that's a four. I could, I mean, I think, I think one could argue for a five, relative, at least so far, relative to the field. There haven't been a whole lot of, you know, four or fives that we haven't. I know we're about a third of the way through. Uh, there haven't been a whole lot of, you know, aces. So relative to the field, he could be a five. But I think you know, overall, we'll go with a four. All right, a couple of interesting names now. Uh, Brad Keller and Brady Singer of the Royals. They start the week home against the White Sox, and then they end it on the uh, uh, no, sorry, on the road against the White Sox. Then they end it at home against the Red Sox. Brad Keller and Brady Singer. So they're doing laundry this week. All right, uh, Keller's a guy that I don't know if he stays with Kansas City. Uh, if I'm Kansas City, I am entertaining offers for him. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Jacob Junis. You know, the the Giants have been able to find some good stuff with him. Uh, and perhaps Keller, he's done a little bit more with the off speed this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if Keller gets moved uh, out of it. If Keller does stick here uh, with these matchups, uh, I'll take it as a, uh, I'll take it as a two. I like Singer quite a bit. He looked really good against the Yankees last night. I mean, the Yankees had two hits yeah. and one, and the one hit was the uh, walk off home run by by Judge. But Singer looked terrific last night. And yeah, I know it wasn't the hundred percent Yankee lineup, but go back and look at the stuff he was doing backdoor two seamers and just looking like the guy that we remember coming out of the draft and then the potential. So he's starting to pitch to more of that potential with that. So I go a three for Singer with this matchup, but a Keller. Uh, a two, but I again, I don't think Keller stays with the Royals. Yeah, I'm going to go three and four. With, I'm, I'm maybe just a little more aggressive with with Keller and Singer. I, I maybe it's because I'm off the cuff, not using my numbers, and I have some bias from watching Singer last night. But I mean, he was he was he was as you say hitting off a tee. He was like putting the ball on a tee. I mean, the command and control, especially command. And I think Jason and I both use the. The nerdy technical definitions where control is ball versus strike and yeah. command is, you know, putting it where you want it, whether it be in the strike zone or without the strike zone. It's the uh, it's kind of accuracy versus precision. I mean, it takes stone. It takes stones to pitch on the outer half at Yankee Stadium. And yeah. Varieties, and that's what he was doing last night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and like, he, and I, I like his demeanor. He didn't look intimidated. He just no. anyway. Um, all right. With the Angels again, who knows what's going to happen? Um, and I was a little bit impressed by Jensen Junk's um, performance this week. He, and I think he's an interesting pickup if he is pitching against Oakland as a one-start guy because we haven't talked a whole lot about guys to pick up for two starts. They don't have any two-start pitchers, even with a doubleheader in there. Never do. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he takes seven games. Um, but, yeah, so we'll, we'll skip over the Angels. Andrew Heaney looked good. Four innings, 71 pitches. I think they wanted – they wanted five, but he a little, a little bit inefficient with three walks, I believe. Yeah, that's what I was hinting at earlier. It's like I was really happy to have Heaney back, and, and he pitched you know, wonderfully, but I think he was on a 75-pitch limit because they pulled, I think, a 74 pitches. He was four and a third shot at innings. I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah, he had those three walks and um, the, you know, a little bit pitch, pitch inefficiency there. At San Francisco, home against San Diego, he and Tyler Anderson, a pair of lefties, are going. Actually, now the – not that it's more anecdotal, but the uh, Dodgers have four lefties in the rotation. Interesting. Yeah, to me, those both guys are fours for me. Really, uh, Heaney has pitched until Heaney pitches poorly. I'm go I'm going to remain on the Heaney train. And what else can you say about uh, what Tyler's doing? Uh, to me, they're both. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna mm, I'm gonna go three for Heaney. Just I, I, even though I'm, I'm starting him, he just without without having the what the the innings behind him. I am going to go three, but he's probably a four. Interesting here. We had a little a note in the chat. Braxton Garrett, home against Cincinnati. There's a game that there's just no reason to watch, huh? And then uh, 
Um, and it's it's one of the early games. It's one of the the high, you know six forty. I I always like to see who's going to be playing because I get you know half an hour of unabated just watching without having to watch my own team or start flipping around. Actually, I'd be curious to see Garrett. I'd like to you know a nice uh, you know half an hour of watching Braxton Garrett, and then he's got the Cubs again. Who knows what the Cubs will be like? These are a couple of interesting matchups. It's, I mean, I don't go five unless it's an elite proven pitcher. But I think you have to go four with these matchups. Yeah, I agree. And he, but he had a, and he's looked good. I, I got him a, a couple of weeks ago uh, in NFBC uh, online championship, and I was a little disappointed in his, his outing this week. That was where he had an issue, and I was trying to remember who he's. Oh, he faced the Reds, uh, and he had five innings, seven hits, five runs. Yeah, but one walk, eight strikeouts. This is this is eight times two here, uh, and, and eight strikeouts. So it's like I mean, that's what I remember thinking. That's such an odd line score to get the strikeouts, not to have the walks, and he had five runs but no home runs. So it was like all doubles, triples. I, I didn't get a chance to see the game, so I'm just looking at the box score. But he faced 23 batters, gave up seven hits and five runs off of eight base runners to there, uh, and that's just nuts how that kind of thing snowballs. But for the most part. I mean, he has pitched really well outside of that. Six innings, one run. Six innings is shutout. Five and two-thirds, three runs. Seven and a third, one run. He's had two blow-up games uh, this season. So I really like him, and those matchups are solid. No, no, I agree. Uh, all right, so Burn, uh, Corbin Burns is at Pittsburgh in home against Cincinnati. I think we need to rate him as zero to two on how many runs he'll give up. Yeah, about <laughs> yeah. That that could be that could be like a twenty uh, twenty three. Let's take the over under strikeouts at twenty three this week. Okay, all right. So we can do that as well. Yeah, I, I clear five top of the board right now uh, with Corbin Burns, uh, Chris Archer. And we're not exactly sure what Minnesota is going to do, but right now we got Chris Archer home against Detroit and Devin Smeltzer home against Detroit. And then at the end of the week in the weekend they welcome in the Blue Jays. Uh, to Target Center or Target Field, Target Center. That would be weird. Uh, you know, <laughs> although talk about park factors. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> all right, so home against Detroit, home against Toronto. Chris Archer and Devin Smeltzer. No, uh, I mean the Detroit matchup's the easy one, but is it worth the pain of what Toronto could potentially put on you? The way Toronto's been hitting. Uh, I mentioned they're the third hottest offense over the last thirty days, and most of that feels like the last two weeks. Uh, what they're hitting. Uh, so for me, I have to avoid both those guys. They're zeros, potentially a one, uh, but both of these guys need to be replaced. If Minnesota is going to make a push, they need to to acquire another arm or two and get these guys some help, these two guys in particular. Along those lines, there's been a Bailey oversighting, or at least a note. There was It was just eerily quiet. Not even a note about Ober. We finally got a note about from the Minnesota, uh, the Minneapolis Star. Uh, Baldelli, Bal, Rocco Baldelli. I talk for a living. Rocco Baldelli says that is uh, he's going to begin to play catch next week and throw off a mound as we put air quote soon. So I guess the takeaway is he's still alive. We don't know a whole lot more than that. He's got a pulse. I, I would say that kind of schedule puts him in September, first week of September. Uh, yeah. Anytime yeah. I hear that he's, he hasn't thrown off a mound yet, then he's got to get on a mound. Then he's got to go make rehab starts. To me, that's like a four-week benchmark. And this is a this is a tall guy that I don't know how quickly he can get back into a groove, you know? Yeah. The uh, Josh Winder's trying to make his way back uh, as well, so – that's why they've got to go out and make uh, they've got to make some moves. It, to me, it feels like a Jose Quintana would be like an ideal guy for them. Uh, but we'll see where it goes. Uh, I get a. Uh, I'm gonna or a trade. I'm gonna. Uh, it's, it's actually Tristan, my friend Tristan. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I'm gonna just let it go out, and I will. Uh, and I will text him and let him know I can talk in 20 minutes. Yeah, he's um, he needs me to fill in for him at, at ESPN. On a, on a couple of things, I'm sure he just wants to train me. So that was uh, that was Tristan. You didn't get to talk to Tristan, folks, but that was uh, that was our friend Tristan Cockroft. Okay, at least make, making him my phone ring. Yeah, you wonder if we do these live and then edit. Nope, not me anyway. I don't I don't know how to edit. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, also with with Archer. Um, yeah, man, uh, I, I I'm gonna go zero as well. I know he's pitched a little bit better. He's kind of falling back. I'm gonna give Smelter a one. I. To me, it's worth getting the Detroit start and hoping Toronto doesn't crush him too much. 
so it's probably a mistake. Here's an interesting one. Just to be able to see this as, as baseball fans, you got to love our green dot next to Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, forget, you know, I went for the Red Sox, you for the Rays. Baseball's better when Jacob deGrom is pitching. Indeed. You know, it's just, it just is. And I mean, is he, is he a five out of the gate? I guess he has to be. I have to, I'm not sure I can check what he's done in rehab. If he's going to start Tuesday, then he, then he probably already pitched his last rehab, right? Uh, yeah, he's supposed to pitch too. I I just have a tough time. I know the talents elite. I just have a tough time making him a five first start out of the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm it's starting a, him four, but it's like, yeah, you know, find me the guy that's going to bench the ground this week. It, that person right. doesn't exist. If they've held on to him this long, they're dying to get him in their lineup. Yeah, so four four innings against Omaha on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, um, two home runs, three walks, six strikeouts. So he probably pitched five innings worth of pitches, but. When you give up four runs, two homers, three walks, and six Ks, um, so I, pinch count wise, I think he's into the he can he can go he can go your five innings, um, but I'm yeah I've, I get yeah I'm with you I'm going to give him a four just because I am going to only project him for five innings, which is going to lower him just enough. Scherzer at this point he's got to be a five no. Any always reason? is yeah always <laughs> is. Uh, all right, we're gonna, we'll kind of bust through the rest. We're a little over halfway done and about ten minutes left into the hour. All right, uh, Domingo Herman, two starts with the Yankees, home against Seattle, and at St. Louis. He's not a zero for me, but I'm not starting with confidence. Yeah, he's not a zero. He's uh, he's a two at best for me. With that, I mean, we saw the matchup against the Mets where the command uh, waivers. That you can see when he pitches, there's some potential with his pitches. I particularly like how he used his changeup away but it was just the consistency of his pitches. So for me, he's a two at best because those aren't great matchups. Right. No, I agree. All right. Oakland, five games. we got Frankie Montas. Again, probably not going to start on that Tuesday, although it's a 930 game. But if he does, you know, he probably, you know, I think he's in the same boat as um, who were we talking about earlier in that you acquire him so you can start him on that. So let's do a hypothetical. Put him in Minnesota. Put him in Minnesota. Give him that Detroit and Toronto matchup. What do you score him? Montas. He's a five. Yes. Okay. Uh, he's kind of like a four. He's kind of like a four point five, which he rounds up to a five. All right, I agree. But that's, I mean, ideally, that's where he should go. Uh, that's the kind of pitcher Minnesota needs. Yeah. I made, yeah. I made the quip earlier about Quintana because that's who I think they'll end up with. Uh, yeah. But Montas is exactly who they need if they want to make that push to solidify the AL Central and put themselves in, in a good position to avoid getting knocked out by the Yankees right out of the gate, as they always do. They need to make a move for Montas. No, no I agree. Uh, Philadelphia, Kirk Gibson. Kirk Gibson. Kyle <laughs> Gibson. I've seen Kay Gibson in my – how old I am. Kyle Gibson at Atlanta and home against Washington. Uh I'm going to give Gibson there. Um, oh, man, because that Washington matchup's so nice because it's so bad and it could be even worse. Uh, and the, the I'm going to give him a three. The Atlanta one's tough, but the Washington one's so good that I'm yeah. willing to do it. I almost wish they were reversed and we could hope for a rainout on the, on the, over the weekend. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but that's not the way it's working out. All right, Bryce Wilson, uh, home against Milwaukee, on the road against Baltimore. I'm zero for me. Uh, yeah, at one at best. Uh, but that's, yeah. those aren't those are tough matchups. Yeah, Baltimore is obviously no longer a pushover. At least the top of the order can get it done. All right, San Diego doubleheader on Monday with Mike Clevenger and Hugh Darvish, uh, home against Colorado, and at the Dodgers. Uh, two for Clevenger. Um, that Dodger matchup's really tough. Two for Clevenger, three and a half for Darvish. I'm still going to go four. I, I know it's a tough matchup, but still gets the strikeout. So I'm going to go four for Darvish. And, um, and yeah, with Clevenger, uh, I'm, I'm going to go two, but ooh, he's not, he's not giving me the length I want right now. Actually, I'm double checking that to make sure. But um, let's see what his last start. Oh, no. What am I talking about? Seven innings and then six. All right. So I'm going to go. I'm going to agree with a two for Clevenger. I'm not sure who I was thinking of that's, that, that hasn't been pitching deep into the games. 
Okay, Marco Gonzalez at the Yankees, and then doubleheader home against the Angels on Saturday. Where's the Yankees start at? at Yankees? It's in in the Bronx, left-hander in the Bronx. Oh man, uh, two. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to go two as well, uh, so we can we can begin to push it along a little bit. San Francisco. Logan Webb, home against the Dodgers. A lot of teams seem to be playing the Dodgers this week. Home against the Dodgers and home against Oakland. Yeah, I mean, Webb, I don't want to say he's matchup proof, but I mean, he, you know, it's, it's, if he only drops to a four, but I'm still keeping him a five. Yeah, yeah four for me. Okay. All right. Um, Adam Wainwright, both at home, which you like. Against the Cubs, which you like, and against the Yankees, which you don't like as much. But Adam Wainwright, two at home, uh, two at home, Cubs and Yankees. Four. I'm going to go three. I'm still not a believer. Um, you know what? What, is, what it's going to take me to convince me he's going to retire by the time he does. But I'm going to go four. I'm, I'm going to go three. Uh, all right. Then uh, here we go again with with seeing the first letter and misdoing the name. Dennis Rasmussen, Drew Rasmussen. Uh, it took me so long to re- to realize that Rasmussen's good because I kept thinking of Dennis. Um, <laughs> all right, home, home. Oh, this is an interesting series. Home with the Blue Jays, and on the road against Detroit, uh, Rasmussen. Um, he's not guaranteed to go into the six, but I think he's going to go far enough. And with that bullpen, that I think he gets a four from me. He gets a three for me because I'm honestly not sure what. <laughs> The bullpen's been problematic. Uh, you know, to me, the only guy that I trust coming out of the bullpen these days is Jason Adam. That's as long as Josh Lowe's not trying to catch the fly ball. Uh, <laughs> but Jason Adam's the only guy I trust. I mean, Pochet's been trying to close out games. Pochet's got a 2.2 home run per nine right now. I mean, even Emilio Pagan's laughing at that. So it is, it's, it's been problematic. Uh, so Rasmussen has pitched rather well. But the run support has not been there, and the bullpen has been shaky at best. So to me, he's at best a three, and it's in a different situation, different. But for whatever reason, it's just been really tough uh, for him of late. Maybe I'm just Red Sox biased because every time I watched the uh, the bullpen was had another clean inning. Now the you know we talk about moves. This last it was a de- not deadline last year. I don't believe maybe it was, but the Rays are going to go out and get someone we'd never heard of. And this yeah. time next year, we're going to talk about them as being a four. Uh, you know, that's just that's just what they do. I'm going to call I'm going to call it good scouting. But anyway, um, yeah. All right, Texas. John Gray. I know he had a bit of a hiccup last time, uh, leaving him in a little bit long. But man, uh, we finally get to see what a pitcher can do out of cores. Home against Baltimore. Home against the White Sox. And then Spencer Howard. I didn't see any of it, and I haven't even looked back at the highlights yet. But apparently he threw the ball really well last time. Matchups aren't terrific. I would go two with Howard and three with Gray. Um, I'm going to go four. I think Gray's just pitching so well. I mean, he's borderline five for me. Um, maybe it's con- confirmation bias because I thought he was going to have such a great year. But I'm going to I'm going to go five for Gray. And I have I'm gonna go two for Howard, and it's more of an leap of faith. I didn't see the outing. Um, it was I believe it was last night, wasn't it? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, and I didn't see it. I just uh, heard tell of it. All right, Kevin Gaussman. I know he's had a bit of a hiccup at Tampa and at Minnesota. A couple road starts for Gaussman. He's kind of in between. Ah, he'll be just fine in 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 the AL East, and he's gonna get crushed. He he's not as good as he was last year, but he's certainly holding his own. Um, is I don't know that he's a five, but to me he's still a four. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think he should be a five, and he could be. You know, he may pitch like a five, but I think he rates a four. All right, last one, then we get you out of here for the weekend. Uh, Josiah Gray and Patrick Corbin. Ooh, yuck! Josiah Gray and Patrick Corbin. Who knows? Maybe maybe Corbin gets dealt. In order to acquire Patrick Corbin, I hear you have to take Juan Soto. That's 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 what I'm hearing. <laughs> that's the tax. That's what I'm hearing. All right. So Josiah Gray, 
who has has flashed signs of wow, then comes out and can't find the plate. But there's been a lot more good than bad this year. Well, more good than bad this year, which is yeah. I think we're seeing signs of development for Gray. Uh, home against the Mets, a ro- on the road against Philly. I don't even think we need to discuss Corbin. I mean, he's we yeah. Can go, that, and to be clear, that's what the U was was Patrick yeah. Corbin. Yeah, uh, he's a yeah. If Spinal Tap turns it up to eleven, we can grade him a minus eleven. Yeah, well, minus uh, eleven Kelvin. Uh, yeah, anything it, like it, that. But yeah, yeah, that's where but the U was in the Gray. Gray is somebody I love more long-term. I, I still, like you said, it's been a lot of speed bumps throughout this year. I mean, the breaking balls are really good, and he's shown flashes of brilliant outings, but he's young, uh, and this is what you expect for growing pains. I like him quite a bit next year. If I were in a keeper league and I could get him on a discount now for the future, I would be efforting to do that, but yeah. I'm not crazy about using him this week. Um, but Corbin... I'd rather I'd, I'd put somebody injured in my lineup and take a zero versus even taking a chance of him doing anything. No, no, I agree. I mean, there was a start this year that people thought Corbin would turn it around, but oh well. And if you missed it, you missed it. <laughs> exactly. All right. No, I, I don't know if I gave a number on Gray. I, do, I just just sort of like him a little bit. Tough match. I'm going to go two, but eh, he's a better pitcher than that. But these are, are fairly tough matchups, so. All right, we got it in about the hour, and then we can we can still we can still let you t- uh, talk about what you wrote this week for the site and what you have coming up. If you have something in the hopper, it, no, really, it's been focused on the trade deadline stuff. I mean, last week it was look here are the obvious sellers; these are the guys that are are, are potentially going to be dealt, uh, and some and some players who could potentially step into that playing time and take advantage of that increased playing time as we're all trying to look for at-bats uh, this time of year to plug into our lineup. And if some of those guys get moved, what the impact was going to be. And so I'm looking at uh, this particular weekend, You know, if we have anything tonight or tomorrow, look at, say, okay, what's happened? What's the impact of these? Because you can only speculate so far. And then you know all this other stuff changes and you throw all that stuff. But when these deals do come down, it's nice to be able to think, okay, this is who's gone. This is who could be coming up. And what's the impact of that player you know, with this increased play? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? And like, oh, hey, this guy's going to have more at-bats. But if they've been if they've been protected for a certain reason, now all of a sudden they're being thrown out there, uh, is that necessarily a good thing? So we'll see where uh, some of these moves are happening. But I don't expect teams to wait up until Tuesday to get this stuff done every i mean we're we're deep into the we're deep into the second half i mean we are almost 20 games into the second half uh and see some of these i know some of these races aren't even close but some of them are uh and so if i am in the al central and yeah i want to try to get if i'm you know minnesota cleveland uh, and chicago i want to get ahead any 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 game i can have an extra use of that player let's make a move for it so uh i'm hoping we see some action this weekend so we're not just doing all speculative stuff yeah, real quick, uh, we just got to note that Tyle Gilbert's on the on the IL. We've got Enwin Yusida coming up to take his place. Right now, it's speculative. We'll see what the, the so they're both heroes do. now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, all right. So um, as far as you're saying with the deadline, this is—I mean, I know only leagues are now the very vast minority, but this is going to be interesting. If if you're keeping your Monday or Sunday night transactions, there are going to be some. There are going to be some deals over the weekend. Yeah, the players will be available in the fab period Sunday to Monday, but they're not all going down. So that there's there's going to be there they're going to be two, you know, periods of you know do I make my do I do I do I go in on this guy and maybe lose out on a better player coming over, or do I get the extra week out of this guy? He's good enough. I think there's going to be some interesting you know, strategy or, you know, interpersonal thoughts going on Sunday night based upon, you know, who who's dealt. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I, I did mine earlier. I blew a lot of cash on AJ Pollock and AL Tout. So like I'm, I'll be sitting out this deadline for the most part and probably picking up a couple of fringe guys. But I decided, you know, I'll take my chance early and see what I need to see what can happen. But you're right. I mean, we could see a very average name dealt. Uh, and then next week it's like, oh, hey, look what happened on Tuesday. Now we got to wait until Sunday to do that. Uh, so yeah, next two weeks we'll uh make break some championships for some folks, yeah. Like you're saying, <laughs> though, I, I real feel uh, feel poorly for those uh folks in the old school tough luck leagues where those stats don't trade over. So if you're like an AL and let's say Xander Bogarts gets traded to the Giants, like, whoops, sorry, you're out. 
uh, I, I I play in one of those and it drives me nuts. Uh, but I'm not in contention in that league right now. So whatever. Yeah, I think my last SOL league, um, you're no longer out of luck. So yeah, I don't think I play in leagues like that. But I'm like I'm with you. I don't. I went for Sonny Gray in AL Labor in an NL Tout. I, I, I don't remember my big expo expenditure, but I don't have I don't have anything left for the deadline, even turning a couple guys in. So oh wait, Pollock may have been my labor. I forget. I think Pollock was my labor person. Probably because I think he yeah. was involved in the he was one of those you know what he wasn't he wasn't part of the he wasn't part of the uh, free agent class, but he was traded so early that he was like he was in the same mix, right? He yeah. was in the same that's right. Uh, he was inventory. yeah. He was my labor purchase, and that's yeah. really helped me solidify a seventh, eighth spot. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've got I got Sonny Gray, and I you know I, I don't have a lot of points, but I'm not a lot of points out of second. Eno's just running away with it. Yeah, Eno's Eno's got a uh, a forty point lead in yeah. AL labor. You know, could not make a move, and you know, so we're all playing for second, and I'm like ten or twelve points out of second. But I mean that's that's attainable, and no one really cares who finishes second place in labor, except the person who finishes in second place, and then you only care for about two minutes. Yeah, uh, having having been there a couple times. But anyway, thanks a lot, my friend Jason, for uh, for helping out pinch hitting on short notice. Um, I have to remember who's doing what. Clay, Clay does this possibly. Clay is yeah. with uh, Clay's gone to a couple of games. Is with his uh, seeing his dads and family um, for the past couple of weeks. He will be back with us next week. Um, Jeff filled in for Eric Halterman on the radio. So thanks, Jeff, for doing that. Eric, Eric's at that age where everybody, all his friends are getting married. Remember that? Remember those days? <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's yeah. That's he's been the summer of weddings for Eric. Um, so thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll back. You know, Clay will be back. I'm giving up my sidekick chair next week. Clay will be back driving the driving the ship. Thanks, folks. Uh, enjoy the trade weekend, trade deadline weekend, and uh, have a good rest of the weekend yourselves. See you guys. End broadcast. End broadcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.